The Catholic Channel on Sirius XM 129 presents America This Week, a smart Catholic take on faith and culture with Father Matt Malone and Carrie Weber. Good day. You're listening to America This Week, a smart Catholic take on faith and culture. I'm Carrie Weber, executive editor for America Magazine. And I'm Patty Gilger, sitting in for Father Matt Malone this week. Carrie, it's really great to be here. I was with Matt most of the summertime as you were I gone. No, it's a, it's a we're changing things up a little bit. You know, I think uh, I'd rather listen and speak with you, listen to and speak with you, than I would to Matt. And Matt's wonderful. But oh, come on. you know, this is li- it's being recorded. This will be available elsewhere. Just, I just have, so you know, Matt, no surprises from that <laughs> for that for me. I'm really pleased to be here. This is going to be fantastic, and we're joined also by Zach Davis. Hey, Patty. Hey, Carrie. Hello, Zach. I also think that it's great to be here. I will not go as far to say that. (laughs) You're not going to pick one of us. No, no. I think that's wise. Yes, I am a a discerning uh, person in who I uh, pledge my allegiance to. I know. So you're you're still trying to figure it out? Yes, Or you secretly know but don't want to get fired? Well, you know. Or in a fight on the right I'm going to keep my cards close. (laughs) (laughs) I think we know the answer to that one. Uh, And I will try not to hold that against you for the rest of the show. Uh, So... This week, we have a lot of good things to talk about besides who we would rather speak to uh, amongst our staff. Uh, And that includes Cyrus Habib, who's lieutenant governor of uh, the state of Washington. Cyrus, we'd like to welcome you to the show. Thank you so much. It's great to be here with you. So we have this article that you wrote called Stop Saying College Isn't for Everyone. Uh, I wonder if you could maybe just tell us a little bit about why you want to write this piece. Yeah, so when I was campaigning for lieutenant governor in 2016, I traveled all around the state, and uh, I started to notice, you know, at at various, um, you know, in in various town halls and discussions and forums, I started to notice uh, this sentence being thrown around by politicians, really, um, in both parties, uh, and that was, that sentiment was, you know, college isn't for everyone. And um, it was, as I said, it was something you'd hear from Democrats and Republicans, and it tended to be a big uh, applause line. And um, But I started to feel this discomfort uh, with that idea, and I couldn't really identify why. And as I thought about it and, and kind of reflected on why that, that bothered me, that concept bothered me so much, because it wasn't said from a place of, um, you know, prejudice or, or um, you know, discrimination or anything like that. It was said actually, uh, usually from a tone of, of, with a tone of compassion. But it bothered me because um, as a child, I grew up uh, with a disability. I, I became blind at age eight. And that sentiment of college isn't for everyone reminded me so much of uh, the, the way people would contract the, the possibilities for me. Uh, thankfully not most people and thankfully not my parents or teachers, but it was that same idea that, you know what, you don't need to think about college. That's, that's really for someone else because, you know, and, and I think I mentioned this in the article that when I would talk to folks about, you know, who would say that, okay, college isn't for everyone, I'd ask them, well, did you go to college? And it turned out that almost always the person saying that themselves had gone to college. And then even more strikingly, when I would ask them, what you know? Okay, so are you not sending your own kids to college? Uh, it would turn out that they're actually sending their own kids to college. So wow, wow. you know, it, it just makes you ask that question. Okay, if college is for you, and college is for your kids, who is it that that college, quote unquote, isn't for? It's a great question um, that you're raising there, and I think a pointed one, Cyrus. I'm, 
I really appreciate your the story you're telling about how this became this line became uh, resonant with you in your own mind and that image of people saying this Democrats and Republicans saying this and that it being an applause line I find myself really surprised by that can you do you have any understanding of like why were people applauding there what were they applauding as as the politicians yeah. are saying something like this you know I think it's that um we're in a very populist moment right now in our politics yeah. in both parties and um and so there's a there's a there's a lot of rejection of um you know think anything that's considered elite or elitist and um unfortunately uh higher education has been painted by by many people as uh part of you know a structure uh, that is elitist in our country and that's led to different uh, economic outcomes for different sorts of people. And so, you know, rather than, uh, unfortunately, rather than politicians saying, okay, we know that a higher education makes a huge difference in economic outcomes, let's give everyone a path mm-hmm. to that kind of an education. Instead of that, they're saying, you know what, who needs a college education? And you know, and, and I think so. So there's, some of it is is that it's a simple answer because it's much harder, right, to try to say like, here's my plan for getting everyone a college education. It is or hard. The opportunity That's right. To get one. That's much harder than saying, you know what? Let's just say college isn't for everyone. All these politicians have been, you know, making people feel bad. And that's the, the second thing is that I think there's um, clearly when you look at the Trump um, election, there's a lot of people in this country. Uh, who feel disrespected and who feel looked looked down upon, and um, they you know they they feel looked down upon in many ways. It's a statement about how much social capital college affords that they uh, feel looked down upon by people who went to college, and so it feels kind of you know valedictory and and you know maybe even revolutionary to say you know what college isn't for everyone. I'm just as good um, as this person who went to college. Um, And and of course, I think that's, you know, kind of changing the goalpost a little bit, right? That's not, the question is not, um, therefore, are you a better person if you went to college? Um, In my mind, it's much closer to, if I were to say, I think healthcare is for everyone. Does Mm -hmm. that mean I look down on people who don't have health insurance? Absolutely not. Uh, it's for their sake, and it's on their behalf that I think we need to be working to give healthcare access to everyone. Same, and the same thing is true with with regard to education. Yeah, I was the first in my family to go to college, and while my my family was supportive of me, it, there was also a level of like I don't think they really understood why I wanted to go do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they rightly were looking at uh, college costs have gone up uh, 197 percent at private schools and 280 at public ones since wow. like 79 uh, mm-hmm. and the the wage gains have not kept up with that certainly so I think they see a lot of people who maybe did go or didn't finish um, who were kind of really burned by this did you what's your sense of do we need to what are what do we need to fix about that because I, I, I think well I think th- they've got a point yeah, Zach. I mean, I think uh, you know. I think you, you mentioned something in passing there, which is you know didn't finish, and I think that's that's a huge issue yeah. um, because number one, um, I think we need to do a lot more. I mentioned this in the article. I think we need to do a lot more to make college more affordable. So I don't want to for for for, for uh, on any level to suggest 
that there's not a problem with college affordability. And, and, and that's one of the things that we've been working on in our state. Um, and, and so and that involves both uh, greater financial aid. Um, it involves really uh, calling upon our, our colleges and universities to innovate in their delivery model. Um, and, uh, and, and it also calls upon uh, all of us to hold colleges accountable to four-year graduation, uh, uh, which is something that you find in private universities, but unfortunately our public universities often have um, five or even six-year average graduation times. But, but here's the thing. Um, it is true that tuition has gone up and that's a problem, but so too has the cost of housing. And yet, I don't know anybody who would say that a smart long-term economic move is to be a renter instead of to borrow in order to buy a house. Um, you know, and, and I think the ROI, and it's been shown uh, on a college education, if you complete, uh, is, is far greater even than uh, getting a mortgage and uh, buying a house. And so it's, it's a tremendous investment. And so in, in building long-term equity, just as uh, home ownership is in this country, uh, you mentioned you, know, you being the first in your family. And I think one of the things, and I, I know you're from the Midwest, I think one of the things um, that, that we struggle with in parts of our country, including parts of Washington State, where there were traditionally lots of jobs um, that didn't require college education. Basically, if you graduated from high school, particularly if you were male, you graduated from high school, um, you could go and work uh, in a factory or work in construction, yeah, and you, you'd have you put a good your 40 years in. job. Yeah. You right, put your you'd have a good in. union job with, with, a, with a pension and health insurance, a lot of these things. Now, a lot of those things, particularly in the Midwest, have been eroded um, politically, and you know we've seen the weakening of unions and worker protections, but also a lot of those jobs are just gone due to uh, automation primarily and also somewhat due to trade and globalization. And so the, the fact of the matter is uh, eight out of ten of the jobs that have been lost since the Great Recession are ones that did not require a college degree. Uh, a lot of those jobs in the Rust Belt, but all over uh, the country. Uh, I'm sitting here right now about uh, 10 blocks away from Amazon's first uh, cashierless store, yeah. the Amazon Go store, and we're going to see more of those. Already they've, they've spread. Uh, I think there's even one where you guys are in, in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. um, and, and nine out of 10 of the jobs created uh, since the Great Recession are ones that do require a higher education. So, um, so yeah, there is, to, you know, to your point, I think there's a lot of education that needs to go on of, you know, of educating parents. Uh, the importance of this. And I'll tell you, immigrant parents really get it. I mean, a lot of, you know, wh why do most people, you'll find, uh, you know, Indian immigrants to the U.S. who are doctors or engineers back in India, they come here and they might drive for Uber for what? So that their kid can go to college. Um, and so, but we ourselves as second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth generation Americans, um, I think have, have taken some things for granted and don't recognize the changing economy. Well, and a lot of the things that you've mentioned are problems that have solutions that would take quite a bit of work. And in some ways, the line college isn't for everyone means that we don't have to work to make college more affordable because then we just can easily write people off saying, well, you are not going because it wasn't for you. But what it does is it sidelines people um, through you know economic classes and social classes that um, might otherwise really enjoy college. Yeah, it's it's um, you know it, it's like I always tell people I grew up 
um, in a in a relatively affluent part of our country. I grew up in Bellevue, Washington, not far from where Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos live. And and somehow, you know, when when people say, well, some people just aren't, you know, they don't want to go to college, and say, well, miraculously, all the the people who uh, think that college is for them live in this neighborhood or this city <laughs> and the ones who just don't want to go to college live in this other place. So we know it's communities of color and we know it's rural parts of our country. We know it's kids with disabilities um, like I was. And I, I often tell people by the time, you know, cause, cause folks will say to me, well, you know, you're being, um, you know, you're being harsh on a 15 year old who says that, you know, he just doesn't want to go to college. And, um, and, and I said, well, look, by the time a kid is 15, the world has told him or her what they're good for, you know, and they in, they internalize that. And so they say, you know, oh, God, I'm not one of these, you know, fancy kids from the Upper West Side or the Upper East Side that goes to college. You know, look at look at where I grew up. No one I know went to college. My folks didn't go to college. I'm not that kind of kid. And it's intimidating and it's frightening. And so by the time, you know, you get to that age, um, you have a lot of, of unpacking. You have a lot of kind of unwinding. Of, of social expectations to right, do right, right. to make a kid feel that confidence. And one of the things you bring up uh, is that uh, a lot of people imagine college as um, this place where you write, you spend four years studying existential philosophy in some ivy-covered quadrangle. That's how I view philosophy of college, <laughs> just so we're clear about all of that. <laughs> and, Which so, I love, by the way. I don't want to... <laughs> no, I don't. So, course, I mean, I think there's this, this dual response to that that both can be true, right? That that's not what everyone has to do all the time, but that it, that element also is really important to the formation of a person, and that this might be the only place where someone might encounter that opportunity to think about those things in a really deliberate way with other people and have those conversations. Yeah, I think that that's right. I mean, that's why I think everyone, um, you know, on this show right now, uh, what, what we all loved about our higher education. And I know uh, I listened to uh, your interview a couple of weeks ago with Father McCarthy. Um, and, you know, I, I really liked his point that uh, this is, about more than just uh, you know economic pathways. This is also about uh, our ability to prepare people to discern truth and to understand uh, the difference between fact and fiction and um, ask you know big questions, which really should not be um, the, uh, the 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 exclusive uh, privilege of uh, of wealthy people. Right, every person. Uh, irrespective of, of economic means, is is going to face um, challenges in life. Is going to be asking big questions about themselves and their their children, their families, and their li- and, and what they ought to do with their future. And um, and so college creates a space uh, to ask those questions, to look at how they've been uh, interrogated before, and in an environment in which um, you're kind of given a little bit of an on-ramp into adulthood where, uh, you know, you, you do have some individuality uh, and some individual responsibility, but um, you're not completely out there on your own. There is a safety net built into the residential college um, system. All of that said, um, you know, I think we need to recognize that uh, for many people, uh, the, the reality today is that they may not be able to go straight to college. They may need to work 
uh, to support their family. Um, our K-12 system isn't preparing every kid uh, to succeed in college on day one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also simply just don't have uh, the, the, the space in, in our colleges right now, even if we were to wave a magic wand uh, to, to, to allow colleges to bring people into the residential system the way that it is. So that said, what we've been working on in my office in, our, in, in the state of Washington is how can we separate these two things. One is a kind of coming of age experience, uh, which college can afford. And the other one is uh, a credentialing process uh, that lets you not just get a job today, but gives you, um, you know, it's enough of a a kind of a broad enough degree that it does allow you to, uh, to gain those kind of skills, critical thinking, communication skills that will uh, allow you to stay, as I like to say, you know, one step ahead of the robots as we change, as our economy <laughs> yeah. changes. You're going to be able to, you're gonna be able to, to um, uh, keep finding um, employment opportunities uh, for yourself. So, so that's, you know, again, I, it's, it's, it's not a knock at all. And in fact, you know, in my mind, uh, every uh, American should have the opportunity and should seriously be encouraged uh, to experience uh, a liberal arts education, no matter what they want to go on and do. But we should, at the very least, begin by providing a credentialing pathway to a, to a degree that that's kind of uh, allows you to, to travel through the economy over time. Yeah, I was certainly not pigeonholed in my career choices with my philosophy and theology degrees. <laughs> So, um, one one question I have is a lot. A lot of times, a lot of times, politicians will say, you know, well, why, why would we have someone go and study philosophy or, as I did, English literature, when there's a great job, um, you know, down the street um, for them right now? Uh, they should go do, you know, learn a, a technical trade, and there's a great job for them today. And it's like, well, uh, yeah, but uh, if you look at um, you know, steelwork or auto building or timber extraction or, or all these things, you know, 30 years ago, people would have said there's great jobs. Why do you want to send someone to college? The fact of the matter is um, jobs are going to change. A 17-year-old who learns a trade or craft today, um, odds are 3D printing and other technological innovations are going to mean, mean that in 10 years, that person is going to have to do something different. And if they're too narrowly trained, um, it's going to be really, really hard. And what we've seen, unfortunately, in our country is that when folks need to retrain, um, there's a lot of, you know, when they, if they lose their job to a, to a robot or to, to foreign competition, you know, there's a, there's a lot of depression and humiliation and, and, uh, and loss of dignity that comes with that. It's not that easy for them to just pick up and go back and, and retool. The, the broader degree credential allows them to be uh, more mobile. In the, in the labor market. Cyrus, one of the things that you mentioned earlier that I think complements some of this stuff is this internal belief that certain categories of students, rural, inner city students, often racial minorities, are, have a challenge uh, with believing that they themselves are the kinds of people who are college material. Now, as a Jesuit, I worked for a handful of years at a school, high school called Red Cloud Indian School on the Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota. It's regularly one of the poorest counties in the United States. And we have worked for a long time kind of to change the the inner belief of these kids that they uh, can actually go to excellent colleges and then make it once they get there. And then that's been one of the really big, I think, uh, tasks that we're finding for ourselves these days is 
yeah, we can maybe build some kind of inner belief in these kids, you know, and get some understanding of theology or understanding of English literature or understanding of all these classical studies that we would want to have. And in that sense of who they are as persons, we can get them to college. But then how we keep them there, sustain them in these places, this is also a real challenge that we're having. Cyrus, I was wondering. Yeah, it's, 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 you know, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, please. Well, I was going to say, I, you know, I know, and, and that, that's why I was, I was really excited to write this piece for America, because, mm-hmm. you know, I know um, that, that higher education, but also preparing kids for higher education is such an important part of the charism of the society. And I remember, you know, my, my roommate and, and best friend in college um, had gone to Regis, wow. and he wow. was from a pretty upper upper middle class family. But his uh, his close friends from Regis were from all different types of economic uh, backgrounds from around New York City, from um, you know from from Jackson Heights, Queens, and um, from uh, you know poorer parts of Brooklyn and the Bronx. And and I got to meet these kids, and they were all going to different colleges and universities all around the tri-state area and it really showed me i mean um it's it's something i know that at least at that school is taken very seriously we need to do more in our public schools Mm -hmm. uh to give confidence to kids in areas that uh you know where because of you know traditional redlining and other things just neighborhoods where entire communities um have not gone to college and kid might not have a mentor or someone to tell them hey you're going to do just fine there. You're going to do great. It's going to be uh, – and, and I'll tell you one small thing um, that doesn't cost any money that I, I, you know, I've encouraged teachers to do uh, is as early as fourth and fifth grade, start talking to kids about – and start, start making college fun. You know, put um, you know, college sports you know, posters and memorabilia up on the wall in the classroom, maybe for the school that the teacher attended, and you know, get them kind of a sense – that this is something that that they can look forward to. That's a really wonderful idea, Cyrus. And thank you so much. We are out of time today, but we will continue to follow uh, you in your political career. And I think you have three votes for when you run for president. We'll follow you on Twitter too, Cyrus. <laughs> you, he can be thank followed you, on Twitter. And you can follow America Magazine on Twitter and Facebook as well. And for more, if you like what you've heard here today, you can subscribe to our magazine at one 800 627 and you can find everything at americamagazine.org slash serious. Thanks very much for being with us today, and we look forward to hearing from you next week. Listening to the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129.